0: WTC Minneapolis St. Paul. FM 107.5 K298CO Minneapolis. 20 years of intelligent talk. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. The Senate has acquitted former
2: President Trump. The rare Saturday session came barely one month after the deadly January 6th siege at the U.S. Capitol. The vote was 57 to 43 to convict, with seven Republicans joining all 50 Democrats but that was still short of the two-thirds majority required.
0: That is correspondent Bernie Bennett reporting. The conclusion of the trial opens a new chapter now for President Biden. Ena's his aides had avoided addressing the trial and focused on their own agenda, but privately aides did worry that a lengthy trial would bog down the Senate and slow progress on Biden's COVID-19 relief bill. Rough winter weather across much of the nation, Pacific Northwest, snow and ice there, leaving hundreds of thousands without power. And pretty much the same thing in the south, very heavy snow and bone-chilling temperatures in Texas. This is SRN News. This week in the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, brought to you in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. A deal is struck. Chicago Teachers Union has approved a tentative deal to get CPS students back in classrooms. But the devil is in the details. Join us for our program. Sign up for our podcast at townhallreview.com. Every Saturday evening at 7 and Sunday nights at 11. Here on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio.
1: You are now tuned in to Intelligent Radio and 1280, The Patriot. My name is Brian. For the weather today, it's going to be mostly sunny and cold. Our February Regnery Book of the Month is from our very own Eric Metaxas. Sign up today to win a copy of his memoir, This Shot of Water, A Search for the Meaning of Life. You can win a signed copy of this revealing, vulnerable, and hopeful memoir by signing up now at Freedom Fan Club page at am1280thepatriot.com.
3: The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management.
0: Here is The Closer, Brad Carlson.
1: Northern Alliance Radio Network. My name is Walter Hudson. Sitting in for The Closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. You can join us at 651 289 4488. Also tracking your tweets using the hashtag NARN, N-A-R-N. Happy to be here, honored for the opportunity. We are going to be speaking to State Representative Jeremy Munson at some point this hour. We're keeping the digital chair warm for him once we can connect. Obviously, being a state legislator means you find yourself busy, even, even on the weekend sometime. So hopefully we'll have an opportunity to connect with him. He has a lot of stuff going on and just incredibly informative and incisive takes on the insanity that is taking place down there in St. Paul. You know it's crazy and you know it isn't helping you. That's usually how those things go. All right, let's get back into the the uh, discourse from the previous hour. The premise that I'm operating under here is, you know, given, given this opportunity to come and chat with you in Bradstead, I'm – Acting as though this is my one and only chance. Uh, I'm never going to get another opportunity to share anything with you ever again. And so much as if I was you know, leaving on a long journey or being dragged away to a gulag and only had a couple hours left to tell my sons everything I wanted them to know, I'm trying to share with you the essentials of what I think you need in order to successfully pursue this thing we call life. In in the context of this culture, in the context of this political moment where we find ourselves under siege by the left and, and the left is defined by a desire to evade reality and impose fantasy upon us. At the bottom of the last hour, I started to dip our toes into the concept of equity. And this is something that you, if, you're, if you haven't been hearing about it already, you're certainly going to be hearing about it everywhere you look. Your workplace, certainly your school system, it's already embedded in public policy. It's a state mandate for our school districts. And I'll get into the particulars of what's happening in my school district here momentarily. And what equity means is just functionally it's the opposite of equality. So, if you think that being treated equally under the law is a moral imperative and a constitutional right, which it is, if you think that, then you should be opposed to equity because equity is functionally the opposite. What it says is we need to set as our overriding goal equal outcomes. If there is disparity, which is unequal outcomes, Then that is evidence of racism or sexism or fill in the blank, bigotry and prejudice and bias. And therefore, we have to do something, not exactly sure what, but something has to be done in order to affect the end of equal outcomes. And then we will have equity and all will be right with the world. Now, you know, this is a problem. Because as I say, in in order to force equal outcomes between unequal performers and individuals with disparate ability, disparate experience, disparate motivation, disparate capacity, in order to force equal outcomes between all of those individuals, you by definition have to treat them differently. And you have to do so under the law. And that's why we see you know, policies that are being implemented that single people out based upon characteristics such as race and gender specifically to treat them differently in order to attain this higher goal of equity. And this is the premise within which the conversations are meant to take place. And so what's happening in my school district, I'm out in Albertville, Minnesota. Wright County, northwest corner, corner of the metro. I'm a city councilor there, city council member. And our school district is in the midst of starting what they call racial equity leadership training of the faculty and the staff. And what that entails is, to, to, from what I can gather, is getting faculty and staff together in little meeting groups to begin their anti-racism work and start to unpack their experiences to discover the racism that is clearly happening in our school district and school districts around the state and throughout the country. And that's evidenced, again, by the disparity in outcome amongst racial groups. You know, see, we go from step A to step Q. There's disparities, therefore, racism, because that's the only possible explanation. Right. And so we're just going to assume that racism exists because of the disparities, and then we're going to have these conversations that take place amongst now starting off the faculty and staff, but eventually to include, of course, your student and and indeed potentially yourself to discover why you're racist, why you hate people of color, what's wrong with you, and how can you fix it, read, submit. That's the goal here. And so the, the tool that they're employing at least in my district is something called courageous conversations. Now this, this comes in a seemingly benevolent package. The idea is, you know, they have, they have this, what they call this compass. That is a tool that is used to try to, as they put it, help us understand how we each process and engage with information about race. It is a way to understand one another's opinions and beliefs. According to the compass, there are four ways that people deal with race, emotional, intellectual, moral, and social. And then they go through and they, they explain which, what each of those entail. And the idea here is that as you're going through these conversations in these small groups where you're talking about race and racial issues, that you identify which of these quadrants you find yourself resting in. Are you speaking from an emotional place? Are you feeling right now? Or are you speaking from a moral place? Is this something that you believe? Are you really into doing something? Are you in the action space? Are you being social right now? Or are you in the fourth quadrant, which is intellectual? Are you stuck in thinking about things? And what this does just on its face is it equates all four of those corners, It takes thinking and equates it with feeling it takes believing and equates it with doing as if somebody who's coming to the table as, as a, you know, emotional pile has the same merit in what they're bringing as the person who's coming to the table with a well thought out intellectual case. And the person with the well thought out intellectual case needs to understand The person who's coming just, you know, overwhelmed with emotion or rooted in some potentially ill-informed belief or caught up in doing something and acting in being social. All of those things are supposed to be equal. Now, of course, in reality. There's a hierarchy to each of these things, right? Before you do something. Typically, you're motivated by some kind of an emotion, a desire to do it. That desire to do the thing is typically going to be informed by what you believe, by your belief system, by your moral sense, what is right, what is wrong, what is good to do. If it's good to do, then you're going to feel good about doing it. And then you're going to move forward, put one foot in front of the other. But all of that, those three things, if we're looking at it in in terms of like a cake, the foundation of the layer cake is the thinking. It's the intellectual side. That's the root of it. If you get that wrong, then the rest of it is going to be wrong. And there are horrific consequences to the rest of it being wrong. If you don't first have your mind right, if if we can't test your premises and find them valid and true, then the morality that you derive from the things that you think is going to create misguided emotions that are going to motivate you to wrong actions. And that's a problem. Now, of course, none of this, that process that I just described of going from thinking about something to deriving a morality, to basing your emotional space around that derived morality and then taking action. That process is exactly what they don't want you to do in the context of these courageous conversations sessions. You're meant to proceed. There's a, a number of rules you're supposed to, agree to in order to participate in these. And amongst them is the idea that you're not going to judge. You're going to turn your brain off. You're not going to come to any conclusions, non-closure, they call it. You're just going to float in this sea of random feelings and morals and beliefs and maybe some thinking and eventually come to something, right? Now, what's the something though? That's, What is it that we're trying to achieve with these conversations? Well, they already told you at the outset when they said the mission statement is in my district, it's remove race as a predictor of outcomes. That's the mission. That's the reason why we're having these conversations. So we're going to use this compass in order to understand one another so that we can get to a point where we remove race as a predictor of outcomes. Now, that's a statistical goal. The, the outcomes in question are the grades students are getting, the results they're seeing on their tests, the grades they're getting on their report cards. That's the outcome. You want to remove race as a predictor of that. What you're telling me is, is that you want to equalize the statistics. You want a piece of paper that says the right things at the end of the process. So my question is, how do we get from this? How do we get from these conversations that are going to happen uh, under the rubric of this compass? How are we going to get from that to removing race as a predictor of outcomes? Now, I don't know the answer to that, but but I know what's going to be required ultimately in order to, ch- to achieve a statistical equality, and that is unequality in treatment of the students. You are not going to be able to provide equal opportunity. You're, let's put it this way. You're not going to be able to allow some students to reach their full potential if their full potential is greater than somebody else's full potential, right? You you're tracking me on that? If if my full potential gets me one mile down the road and the kid next to me, his full potential gets him five miles down the road, then you have to limit his full potential to one mile because I can't get further than my full potential, Right. And that's the the effect of whatever policies you come up with, the end of wherever these conversations go is ultimately going to result in throttling the capacity of the people who can do better. That's what equity gets you. And I'll give you a real world example of how this is happening right now in our very school district, the one I'm talking about. When we return, you can tell us your stories and give me your response at 651-289-4488. Northern Alliance Radio Network. My name's Walter Hudson, filling in for Brad Carlson, AM 1280, The Patriot.
4: Whoa, look at all these options.
0: You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com.
4: and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, could I have have EPI? EPI? Sponsored by AB. This is a special Frozen Tundra update. The
0: Northern Alliance Radio Network is broadcasting, once again, not from our usual undisclosed bunker, but
2: from the ice. I'm Brad Carlson, here with Mitch Berg. Join us on Medicine Lake in Plymouth
0: for our annual Holes for Heroes live broadcast, an opportunity to salute veterans and those currently serving in the armed forces. Find us on Medicine Lake or tune in from the comfort of home. Saturday the 20th from 1 to 3, here on The Patriot. Thanks to
4: Snelling Heating for sponsoring the broadcast. Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on... Uh, Gene, who do you take on anyway?
3: What does it mean to be a Christian woman in today's culture? How does your faith in Jesus Christ relate to the world around you? Sometimes to have faith can seem like an overwhelming task in today's busy and sometimes challenging landscape. That's why you need to visit iBelieve.com. iBelieve.com is a site designed for Christian women. iBelieve.com has blogs, videos, and even daily devotionals. Whether you're looking for advice, ideas for your church group, or just an uplifting message, visit iBelieve.com. That's iBelieve.com.
0: Join the Patriot Freedom Fan Club for prizes, contests, quizzes, and more. Plus, get exclusive access to pre-sale tickets to events. It's free to join. So visit am1280thepatriot.com today.
1: I'll give you an example, a real world example that is taking place in the very same school district that I've just been describing these courageous conversations taking place under the, the goal of equity. The idea is we need to get all of the students to the point where they have exactly the same outcomes or at least similar enough. Otherwise, we're racist. Otherwise, we're sexist. Otherwise, we're this, that or the other thing. The funny thing is, is that this very school district in question, St. Michael Albertville, the one in which I live, for as long as I've lived there, every single election cycle, you you hear the drumbeat from, you know, candidates running for school board, but also in other races as well, candidates for city council, candidates for state representative, all talking about the funding mechanism for our schools and how unfair it is. And it is. St. Michael Albertville is one of the highest performing school districts in the state. We do a really good job. We're also one of the lowest funded districts in the state. We get the least amount of money. Now, when you, you'll hear candidates for school board and city council and state representative, state senator, what have you. You'll hear them talk about this issue as if there's some sort of mystery as to why it's happening. You know, why is it that we get the amongst the least amount of money per pupil as a school district, as opposed to districts like say, Oh, I don't know, Minneapolis, right? Why do they get so much more per pupil? And we get so much less. Something simply must be done. Vote for me. That's, that's usually how the, the narrative goes. Well, the, the problem, the reason why, because people have gotten elected on this, right? They've campaigned about how this is a problem and it needs to change. And so vote for me and I'll get in there and change it. Well, it's still going. It's still a problem. We're still amongst the, the dead last in the amount of per people money for a school district. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. I know exactly why. It's because we have failed to address the root cause of this inequality the root cause of the inequality is equity. Equity is the reason you're not being treated equally because equity is the functional opposite of equality. All right. And so as long as we continue to, to nod and applaud When somebody gets up there and talks about equity and we need to be equitable and we need to equalize outcomes and remove predictors and blah, 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 blah. As long as you keep buying into that nonsense, you're going to continue to have unequal funding. Because if you go down there to the state capitol, if you walk down to St. Paul, if you go into somebody's legislative office, which you can't even do right now. But, you know, if you did and you asked them, you, you lobbied them and said, hey, you know. We're really struggling out here in St. Michael Albertville. We could use a few extra bucks per pupil. Any chance of that happening? You know what their answer is going to be? You don't need it. You don't need the money. You're doing fine. It's equity, which you say you want. So you can't have it both ways. You can't have it to where we're having faculty and staff sitting down for training sessions for racial equity leadership training sessions where we're promoting the idea that our goal as a district ought to be to equalize outcomes. And therefore we're going to turn all these dials in order to make those statistics show up in such a way as to make us look good at our woke cocktail party. You can't have that be your premise. And then also complain when the state does exactly the same thing to you that you are trying to do to the students. The state is going to continue to underfund you the better you do just like you want to under provide for students who might possibly do better than somebody who's <clears throat> disadvantaged if you want to solve this problem you have to have the cojones to go after the moral root of the problem which is the concept of equity equity is a moral evil equity equity is the same moral evil that brought us Mao's China. It's the same moral evil that brought us the USSR. It's the same moral evil that brings us today communist China and the ways in which they suppress the individual rights and freedoms and very lives of the people that are their subjects. This idea of equal outcomes. Everybody should have the same thing, get to the same place, achieve the same goals, get the same trophy. You can only achieve that misguided, I'll be i will be generous, misguided goal through evil means. That's the only way to do it. By throttling the capacity of somebody else. I'll give you a, a hypothetical example. And I think I might have stolen this from Craig Westover, who Former communications director for the Republican Party, Minnesota, doesn't live in the state anymore. He got some sense and moved out of here. I think he's living on a boat in retirement, which is just perfect. God bless you, Greg. But, you know, let's say that your goal was to equalize basketball performance outcomes between myself and LeBron James. How are you going to do that? I'll tell you what. I'll give you a tool to, get you to, to help you out. I will provide you with Doc Brown's DeLorean. I will give you a time machine. You can go back in time and you can, you can catch me at birth and catch LeBron James at birth. And you can work with the two of us to get us to the same spot. You're still going to fail. You're still going to fail. Why? Because there are in certain inherent characteristics between me and LeBron James that are just different. We are different guys, different dudes with different physical capacities, different physical potential. Doesn't matter how hard I train. Doesn't matter how hard I get out there, how much I want it, or how many resources are thrown at me, how much money you spend on training me. I am not going to get to the point of LeBron James. And indeed, neither are many of the professional NBA players that are his cohort right? It's just not going to happen. So if you have set as your goal, the notion that we must equalize outcomes between him and me, or indeed him and everybody else, you're not going to do it by lifting up everybody else. You're going to do it by putting, by hobbling him, by cutting him off at the knees, perhaps even literally. I mean, hell, you could probably cut him off at the knees and he'd still do better than me, right? This, this is what I'm talking about. You only you only have at your disposal immoral, evil means to achieve the end of equity. Equity as a goal is incorrect, immoral, unrighteous, and must be dispensed with. And the problem is, it is an institutional, omnipresent reality. It's in your school system. It's part of the state mandate. It's it's probably in your business if you work for a corporation that's bigger than a couple dozen people. It's probably written into your company's mission statement. We're for diversity, inclusion, and equity. Equity, equity. You, know, you might as well shut your doors. Because profit is not equitable by its very nature. That's why the communists are for it. I mean, do I have to draw you a picture on this? You're, you are signing it. When you concede to the premise of equity, you, you lose every argument after that. Every single one. And the left knows it which is why they're so on board with it. It's why they want you to buy into it, because if they can get you to buy into that as a goal, as a noble end, then any means become worthwhile and defensible in pursuit of that noble end. Let's move on to, there's a story out of Mississippi. The Mississippi State Senate just well, the way it's reported at CNN, they voted to ban transgender athletes from women's sports. Now, just the headline, right? <laughs> like so so I mean, if I was editing this publication, I would have chosen something different. I would have said something along the lines of Mississippi Senate votes to save women's sports as such. Cuz that's what really happened, right? We're going to ma- we're going to maintain women's sports as women's sports because we want to have women's Sports, that's what happened here. But see, by framing it this way as Mississippi Senate votes to ban transgender athletes from women's sports, see how the premises are woven into the headline? You're supposed to you're supposed to come into this. You're supposed to enter the debate, having already accepted the idea that transgender athletes belong in women's sports. And it's weird that they've been banned from them. This goes back to what I talked about early in the program when I I was outlining the divide in our culture and our politics between reality and fantasy. You are now expected. There was a time back when things made a little bit more sense where being a bigot meant that you were a liar. Fundamentally, a bigot is a liar. It's somebody who's a reductionist who reduces something to some irrelevant characteristic and then lies about its importance. Nowadays, it's the exact opposite. Now you're called a bigot for telling the truth. Men are men. Women are women. We know this to be true. But if you say so, you're a bigot somehow. Northern Alliance Radio Network. My name's Walter Hudson. Filling in for Brad Carlson. 651-289-4488. Join the conversation, AM 1280, The Patriot.
0: This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshares. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, well, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, founder and CEO of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sounds crazy, right? Well, the crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare, you'll pay nothing.
1: Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-881-4242.
5: 800-881-4242. 800-881-4242. And now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there, approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three quick start now discount it to only nineteen ninety five to see if it will work for you too I think it could give your body what it needs to heal itself go to relieffactor.com call 800-500-8384 relieffactor.com
6: Hi this is Lee at the Kingdom Builders Matthew twenty six forty one tells us watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak my wife encourages me to pray about it all the time It is pretty much anything. It's very good advice, even in the smallest of matters. This verse makes me think about how we should be attentive to what is going on around us, too. We should stay awake and be ready for the Spirit's prompting and be willing to pray appropriately. Like the Word says in James 4, I ask wrongly so often. I'm thankful that the Word actually tells us even how to ask. If you have any comments about this or other scripture, feel free to contact me at Lee at the dot com. That's L-E-E at the dot com. Or you can call us at 612 900 That's 612 900
1: If you're anything like me, you find it difficult to even engage with pop culture nowadays, because all this woke stuff is everywhere. You can't escape it. It's it's interwoven. Look, it was always there to one degree or another, but they at least, you know, wrote stories around it so that it was kind of interesting. You know, like... I. At the end of the day, whatever the moral of your story is, whatever theme you're trying to speak to, whatever social or cultural idea you're trying to get across really ultimately should be irrelevant to the quality of your craft. Right. If it's a good movie or a good TV show or a good book that has compelling characters that are believable and have motivations that make sense and a world that's built properly and that has has internal consistency and rules and you know, get you vested into the stakes. If it's good, then you'll forgive politics that you disagree with because that's not really the point. You're looking to be entertained. You're looking for a good story. But increasingly, it's it's just so difficult to find that quality because the the quality is literally sacrificed in order to service the goal of promoting whatever the woke narrative is. Northern Alliance Radio Network, my name's Walter Hudson, filling in for Brad Carlson on AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. We've been talking about the value of intelligence and thinking and reason and acknowledging reality. 651-289-4488 is the number to join us, am1280thepatriot.com. Also tracking your tweets, hashtag Narn, N-A-R-N. Now, I don't know who this guy is. I've heard of The Bachelor. It's a show on TV. Not one that I'm uh, following closely. But this from the Epoch Times, Chris Harrison, host of The Bachelor, says he is stepping down from his TV role and is ashamed for his handling of a swirling racial controversy at the ABC dating show. In a new statement posted Saturday, Harrison apologized again for defending the actions by a contestant that were considered offensive. By excusing historical racism, I defended it, he wrote. Now, again, I just, you know, as somebody who has done some writing and some editing, I just want to spend some time pointing out just the artistry. You you really do. And this is the Epoch Times, by the way. The Epoch Times is overall a good source for for conservatives to get their news from because they they do a pretty decent job of Truly just straight reporting stuff instead of framing in a certain way. But even so, you know, you look at how these first two paragraphs are put together and you just kind of on the seat on the edge of your seat with like, well, what did he say? What did he do? How, racist, offensive. What? Oh, it must have been bad if he's leaving the program because of it. Well, <laughs> let's hold our judgment for just a second here. Harrison came under fire after an interview on Extra, which is some other show I don't watch when he was asked about racially insensitive past behavior from current bachelor contestant, Rachel Kirkconnell. So already we this is where we're at. We're at a place where the guy is quitting his job because of something he said in an interview about something that somebody else did. So we're like two, three steps removed from the actual offensive thing. Past photos of her, Rachel Kirkconnell resurfaced, in which she is dressed in costume as a Native American and at an antebellum plantation-themed ball. So that's, that's the big sin. That's the big bad that happened. She, she had a costume on at what was presumably a costume party. Kirk Connell, the lady in question, later issued an apology for what she calls her past racist and offensive actions. Now, that, that's, that's a pretty stunning admission. I mean, she said she's saying she was racist. She is saying in this apology, just taken at face value, that her motivation for putting on a costume as a Native American at an antebellum plantation themed ball was racism. That's why she did it, according to her own apology. Now, I, I spend time pointing that out because, of course. She probably doesn't actually feel that way. That probably isn't. The motivation for why she put on this costume, but she feels like she has to insert that in order to pay her penance, in order to say her Hail Marys, in order to, to get herself back in the good graces of the woke cathedral. So she's basically admitting to racism, which I would put money down on. She never intended or conceived of in the interview. Harrison, now this is again, this is the, the guy who hosts the show, who is quitting his job. Because of an interview where he commented on this gal wearing a Native American dress, because we're not we're now like three steps deep into how woke you have to be. In the interview, Harrison defended Kirk Connell against what he called the woke police on social media. We all need to have a little grace, he had said, a little understanding, a little compassion. That's the quote that got him canceled. He said, we all need to have a little grace, a little understanding, a little compassion. And he lost his job for saying it. This is where we find ourselves, folks. Not only can you not express a a deviant opinion, a dissent from the mainstream narrative. If you so much as suggest that we ought to be graceful with each other during that conversation. No job for you. That's where we find ourselves. Let's talk with Mark in St. Louis Park. Welcome to the Northern Alliance radio network.
7: Oh, Walter. uh, uh, Nice to talk to you. And thanks for filling in for Brad. Um, Well, that's woke on steroids. I just wanted to touch if it's okay on a few segments previously you talked about. I just wasn't able to get to the phone. Is that okay?
1: Absolutely. Go
7: ahead. Oh, thank you. Uh, You talked about earlier about reality and fantasy. Uh, The biggest the case that, in my opinion, was last year, the false narrative about police hunting down black men and killing them. There was been studies done by a black economic professor from Harvard, a black professor from Kentucky State. You know, several more studies saying just the opposite. Yeah, and that was that was a, a in my opinion the biggest case of the fantasy versus the false uh, versus reality. But you also talked about you're talking about equity, and I believe I believe the precursor to that was the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Uh, the dis- disparate inc- impact provision, what basically said um, outcomes will determine discrimination. Right. In other words, you could have a test, uh, two plus two equals four, five pink people and five blue people take the test. If five pink pe- pe- people get it wrong, you throw the test out right. because it has a disparate impact on the pink people. Simply outrageous. But yeah. uh, I, I don't know how much time you have, but I had a real interesting thing happen at, at, the, at St. Louis Park at a, a legal and vulnerable meeting about uh uh, impacts of, of low-achievement mi- minorities versus whites. I went to the meeting. They had the board where uh, African Americans and Hispanics, all the, and they had the whites doing much better and the person who's on the school board members claimed that because she she handed out a, a, a memo saying, well, it was because of white privilege. So I had the temerity to ask, where are the Asians listed there? Because that week, Asians, was, in the Star Tribune said Asians are doing better, less uh, dropouts, right. better higher, higher academics, right. higher income. Where are the Asians there? I said, they're a minority, and I got no answer. Yeah. Any of the members there, school board members, I couldn't get an answer. I said, well, my, I, If it's going to be white privilege, you, it should be Asian privilege. They're doing better than whites. I'll hang up and listen.
1: I, I very much appreciate the call, Mark. You raise <laughs> a lot of very relevant points, and it's it's very instructive. So what you have there in his anecdote is – what I want to start calling, uh, well, and you know, this, I'm not coining this term, but I think we need to shy away from calling the left progressive because that's what they want, and it's a misnomer. It's wrong. They're not trying to progress us towards anything. If anything, they're regressive. They're trying to drag us kicking and screaming back into the dark ages where we abandon reason, ignore reality, and embrace all these fantasies. But there's another word that I think does apply that has great utility and describes situations like the one Mark just outlined for us. And that is reductionist. These people are reductionists. They want to reduce complicated, nuanced issues down to the simplest, most absurdly basic narratives that don't make sense. And that when you test them, demonstrate themselves to not be true. And so, you know, the example he gives of, you know, are you going to are you going to account for the disparity between Asians and white people? You know, are whites oppressed by Asians because Asians are doing better academically overall? Are we going to go with that narrative? Well, of course, we're not, because that's not the objective. The objective, again, what, what I stated at the outset, this is a war between those who want to acknowledge reality and those who want to impose a fantasy The reality of the disparate statistics between Asians and whites does not support the fantasy that the left has concocted and wants to operate under with their equity policies. And so we can't acknowledge it. We're just going to we're just going to ignore you. We're going to pretend you didn't say that. And we're going to pretend that the truth you articulated isn't true because it's an inconvenient truth for our narrative. That's what we're up against. And once you realize that that's what you're up against you, you got to stop treating it as though it's a good faith conversation where you're actually equally have equal merit and you're both on the same page with the same goal and simply disagreeing as to the means. They have different goals from you. Their goal is to supplant your acknowledgement of reality and replace it with a submission to their fantasy. He also brought up the the treatment of black suspects, by the police, when we come back in our final segment of today, I, I have some things to say about that because that's another fantastic practical example of everything that we've talked about today, including the concept of equity, you know, difference in supposed outcomes between racial groups, and, and this re- reductivism, this reductionist mentality where you take a complicated issue and you reduce it to a simplistic absurdity in order to promote a preconceived notion, in this case, the idea that blacks are being hunted in the streets by white cops. Northern Alliance Radio Network, my name's Walter Hudson, sitting in for Brad Carlson, AM 1280, The Patriot. AM
0: 1280, The Patriot. Cool over zany sound effect uh we were gonna write a flashy promo about streaming us at radio.com but considering how easy it is to do we'll keep it simple too listen to the patriot on the free radio.com app Take your favorite Patriot hosts with you wherever you go by downloading our app. Listen to your favorite shows, see our social media posts, enter exclusive contests, and more. Just search for AM1280 The Patriot in the App Store.
1: Very much appreciate you joining me today, this Sunday, on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. My name is Walter Hudson. It's been my honor to set in for the closer, Brad Carlson. Very much enjoy, once again, broadcasting over AM 1280, The Patriot Intelligent Radio. You can join us at 651-289-4488 to sneak in a final comment before we close out the program this afternoon, picking up from where we left off. First of all, let me just reset the the overall theme of the program. Not taking for granted that I'll ever get the opportunity to do this again. I wanted to treat this as though it were my my final message to my sons. You know, if, if I only had two hours to talk, what types of concepts would I want to get across? And the overarching notion has been that you need to recognize that you're in a battle between People who hopefully you're on the side of who want to acknowledge reality as such, who want to discover what is true and then discern their morality based upon that truth that they have discovered through observation and reason and then act based upon that knowledge. Do what is right, given what you know to be true. That's one side of the culture. The other side wants to literally displace that and impose a fantasy that is not true, that is not real, and require you to submit to that fantasy and to affirm their fantastical beliefs. And if you fail to do so, you're going to be canceled. You're going to be, you know, who, who knows what's coming down the road, imprisoned, retrained. They're, they're talking about truth and reconciliation commissions to, you know, as if as if the Trump administration was apartheid. That's the way they're talking about dealing with conservatives in the culture moving forward. So you first need to understand what it is that's at stake, the nature of the battle, and then start to understand the strategies and the, the quality of forces that are being brought to bear against you. And one of the rhetorical weapons that is most effective, utilized by the left and has been embedded within all of our institutions, most likely your workplace, certainly your school district certainly state legislation and mandates is this idea of equity, the notion that unless or until we eliminate all statistical disparities between different groups defined by race, gender, whatever you want to pick out of your, your hat until we eliminate those disparities and everybody has equal outcomes. There's something evil. This way comes. You're racist. You're sexist. Fill in the blank. And under that premise, of equity being the goal they, past that point, they can achieve literally anything because you can always craft your, you can always cherry pick some t- statistic framed in some way from some source. That's going to make it look like there's institutional racism. And one of their favorite targets for this is law enforcement. We had a caller in the last segment who pointed out the fact that, you know, one of the, the worst fantasy narratives dominating our cultural discourse is this idea that black people are being haunted in the street by racist white cops. But when you look at the actual statistics and you analyze them objectively in context without reductionism, without reducing them to an absurd basic, you discover lo and behold, if anything, it's the opposite. If anything, when you actually look at behavior and circumstances and context you discover, lo and behold, you're less likely to get shot if you're black. As long as you behave the same way, if you do the same things in the same circumstances, the same situations, you're less likely to get shot if you're black. And that makes a certain degree of sense, doesn't it? There's going to be a certain amount of, and we, we can have a separate conversation about how healthy this is, but there's going to be a certain degree of hesitation to pull that trigger, is there not, if you're dealing with a black suspect in the year 2021 for for quite a few years now this is not the the see the narrative that the left wants to sell you on is the idea that your your neighborhood cop who lives down the block he wakes up in the morning he stretches he yawns he pours his cup of coffee he looks at himself in the mirror gives himself a little gives himself a little wink a little point and says i'm gonna kill me a black guy today you know that's that's his mindset he, he wakes up hoping for the opportunity to go bag him a black guy. That's the narrative that you're being sold. Now, of course, the reality is the, the worst thing that could possibly happen to a law enforcement officer is to be involved in any sort of shooting situation, especially one that ends in a fatality. Because in order to get to that point where you're involved in a, in a lethal use of force situation. A lot of things have gone wrong to get you to that point. Hopefully not in your control, right? Because, you know, part of your job indeed is to avoid getting to that point. But if you can't, then and now you're there and now you got to make decisions that are that are measured in microseconds. And it's literally life and death. That's not a place that any police officer wants to be. But the idea that not only do they want to be there, but that they're hoping for a certain type of suspect that's going to get them there. In this day and age, where the only possible outcome of that situation, like at at here's the best case scenario. You find yourself in a lethal use of force situation with a black suspect. Best case scenario. You don't get killed. You don't get maimed. You just get your life destroyed. You just lose your job. You just have your reputation trashed. You just have your children watch as you are defamed and labeled a bigot and a racist. And you're never able to, uh, to, to be associated with by any reputable organization moving forward. And you have this scarlet letter sewn into your uniform from now to the end of time of the racist cop. That's the best thing that's going to happen to you in that situation. And the left wants you to believe that white cops wake up hoping for that. It's absurd on its face. And yet that's what we're presented with. Something else worth knowing about the lift. Since I'm in the ranting mood. What you. If I'm talking to my sons. One of the things I want to tell them is. I, I want you to know when you, when, when you get to the point where, you know, you're actually thinking about things like politics and culture and, and ideological terms and left and right and this, that and the other thing. Realize that what the left wants from you at the end of the day, what they demand is for you to just not think that highly of yourself. They want people who are submissive and victimized and who, who will not question the orders coming down from on high. That's what they want. And we, we know this for a couple of reasons. We know this based upon how they treat people who, are, who have means and who have obtained them and also how they treat people who are struggling. You know, there's a, a piece here. We don't have time to get too deeply into it, but from PJ Media talking about how Dolly Parton came under fire for a Super Bowl ad she had promoting Squarespace, which has to do with small business and the development of new businesses. She came under fire for that. Because, you know, apparently it's bad to encourage people to work harder and work extra. It was the five to nine campaign. The idea being you work outside of your full time job to try to build a business. And that, that's somehow oppressive. That idea. They don't want you to believe in yourself. They don't want you to believe in your kids. They don't want you to believe in America. Defy them by believing you can. By believing you're worthy. By believing you can achieve. My name is Walter Hudson, Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280,
3: The Patriot.
0: 2021 is already off to a disturbing start for conservatives. We've seen Twitter unilaterally shut down President Trump's account. The conservative platform parlor was booted off the Apple Store by Apple, and big tech is muzzling free speech at a speed that nobody could have predicted. Nobody except biologist and evolutionary theorist Brett Weinstein, who appeared in the film No Safe Spaces, to issue this warning about political correctness running amok.
2: YouTube and Google, Facebook and Twitter dictate whose voices can be heard. And if those entities start trying to engineer the conversation to adhere to the rules laid out with these phony Trojan
0: horse
1: terms, disaster will be the result.
0: You and your family need to see No Safe Spaces now before any more of our freedoms are muzzled. Just go to SalemNow.com to get your copy of No Safe Spaces. Visit
2: SalemNow.com and use promo code MINNEAPOLIS to save 20%. I'm Staff
7: Sergeant Mark Anthony Madrid. Staff Sergeant Samantha Cowell. Staff Sergeant
2: Alex I'm Staff Sergeant
0: William Lewis. And I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of
5: this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me.
3: I'm proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world.
5: Every day... Men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win. In air, space, and cyberspace. And
4: I am
7: proud
5: to be a member. And I'm proud to serve in the United States. And I am proud to protect our country.
7: Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve.
3: AFreserve.com Hi, this is Ryan with My Three Quotes. As you may already know, my company is the only free service of its kind that provides you with detailed competitive quotes on window, siding, and roofing installs from multiple local contractors after just one short meeting with me. I really wanted to thank all the Patriot listeners who worked with me to improve their homes this year. Some of you have already received big name window quotes and saved thousands of dollars through my three quotes. I cannot stress enough to call me if you had a window bid that nearly gave you a heart attack. With the best pricing in the Twin Cities and zero pressure, we'll get that heart rate back to normal. For roofing, I can use satellite imaging and measurements to get you three competing quotes, whether it's storm damage or just an upgrade. Don't wait. Winter is the time to have me check it out, making sure we secure a spring installation date. Windows and siding, however, are installed all winter long, typically saving my clients even more money. So set an appointment today at GetMyThreeQuotes.com. That's the number three, GetMyThreeQuotes.com. Celebrating two
0: decades.